0: That is literally how you beat the Bruins. That is how you tear them up into pieces. That is how you end the Boston Bruins. If you can split up the Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron line, chances are you're doing something right, and you might actually win. You might actually beat them. Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman with the OT winner and the Tampa Bay Lightning are off to the Eastern Conference Finals, up against, we don't know who, either the New York Islanders or Philadelphia Flyers. But what a big win for the Tampa Bay Lightning to close out the series against Boston and send home Brad Marchand (laughs) Um, and the Bruins. Tough one for the Bruins. It might be an end of an era there with Chara. Um, We're going to get into all that later on. But welcome back to Unlimited episode number 18. Um, we got some MLB news. Jays made a bunch of moves at the trade deadline. I'm going to talk about that and what we think might happen, you know, heading into the playoff push here for the Jays and if they can actually make the playoffs or not with the roster that they have. Uh, then we're going to jump into NHL. Tampa won the series tonight. Colorado is currently still playing Dallas right now. Um, I think it's in the third period. Philly Islanders tomorrow, game five, Vegas, Vancouver game five. Tomorrow as well, Vegas and the Islanders are both looking to close out that series. Um, And then we got some NBA. We got to talk some Raptors game two preview um, as well. Um, And yeah, that's it. If you guys aren't subscribed already, make sure you subscribe uh, to us on YouTube. If you want to listen on Spotify, we're on Spotify as well. Make sure you follow at UnlimitedPod on Instagram for some clips that I post after each episode as well. Um so yeah, let's jump into it. the jays um before the de- the deadline today uh they addressed some of their pitching and they went out and they got Taiwan Walker. We didn't get a chance to talk about it uh last podcast. I don't think the trade was official yet. um We did talk about the Daniel Vogelbach trade um so far, Vogelbach hasn't been too big of an impact on the Jays, but he did play today um in replace of uh, Rowdy Telez. Uh, he looked okay. Uh, nothing too special, though, so far. Um, but yeah, anyways, Taiwan Walker, in his first start as a J, looked terrific. Six innings, no earned runs, solid, decent pitch count. Like, I don't know if you're going to get that every single time out there for Walker. Probably not, um, but definitely a very good first impression um, at, in his first start as a J. I would expect Walker to continue to go five or six innings per outing, um, one or two earned runs. If he can keep, you know, that pace, then I think he's going to be a real weapon for the Jays. Um, especially right now, they're not healthy at all. Pearson out, Shoemaker out. Um, Chase Anderson is back now. He is on the bottom end of that rotation. Uh, he pitched today. Actually, looked pretty, pretty good. If he can keep that up, then maybe he holds on to the five spot. Um, but yeah, anyways, Walker looked really good. I don't know if he's going to stay in the rotation come playoff time. Maybe they look at moving him to the bullpen, but, um, anyways, the trade itself, I think definitely a, a very solid trade for the Jays. They didn't have to give up too, too much as well. I think just players to be named later, uh, which will both be minor league players, not guys that are currently on their 60 man roster. So to get, you know, a quality starting pitcher who has had success in the past. Um, on various different teams, Arizona and Seattle. Um, I think that's pretty good. You know, They need an arm. They need an extra arm. So I think pitching depth is key for this team right now, and they were able to get that with Walker. He has had some injury problems in the past. Hopefully he can stay healthy, and hopefully he can be um, a big stable in the rotation. And if not the rotation, then put him in the bullpen, see what he can do. But really good move for the Jays. Um, And yeah, I guess just moving on to today, the Jays made three... Pretty, pretty big trades, I guess. Well, one of them was, was very big. I think the Jonathan VR trade, uh, there was talks about him getting traded yesterday to the Jays. Uh, It did happen today. Uh, We're going to talk about that after the Robbie Ray trade. So the Robbie Ray trade happened. That was the first trade that the Jays made today um, from the Diamondbacks. And he has had some success in the past. He's, he's a late 20 year old. Um, And he did have a good 2017 season. He was an all-star in that year as well. But this year, he has been borderline terrible. He has been pretty bad. Um, He gives up a lot of walks. I think he's averaging like a walk per inning, which isn't very good at all. Um, And then he's also getting a ton of strikeouts, though. I think he's gotten... He's averaging over a strikeout per inning right now, which is pretty good, which is pretty good for a starting pitcher. Um, you can put him in the bullpen as well if need be. He's a left-handed guy. Jays could always use some more lefties. Um, and they didn't have to give up too, too much as well, you know? So I think, it's, I think it's a solid trade. I think, you know, the Jays looked at, to a guy like Taiwan Walker and they asked him like, okay, is this Robbie Ray guy any good? Does he have the potential to come in here and be a guy? Is this season that he ha that he's having right now just a fluke is he actually better than this so I think that's what the jays were looking at um and and yeah, hopefully he's okay. you know I don't know if he's gonna be good. I don't know if he's gonna be a stable in the rotation, probably not, but if the jays can turn him into a you know subpar pitcher who can come in and and get out a left handed batter you know late in games. I think that it'll be worth it, you know? So I don't think he's ever going to go back to that 2017 form that he was in, but hopefully he can turn around things with the Jays and yeah, hopefully he helps out in some way. Um, Then moving on to the second trade of the day, Jonathan VR. So, I mean, everybody knows that name. I would say if you're a fan of baseball, you know, this guy for his speed, this guy loves to steal bases. He's one of the best at it in the game. Pretty darn good defensively. Pretty good versatility player as well. He can play in the outfield. He can play third, second, uh, shortstop. So I think that's kind of what the Jays need right now, especially with the injuries that they have or the injuries that they still might get later on in the season. Right now with Bo Bichette injured, there's a a hole at shortstop. There you go. Jonathan can can go in and fill there. Uh, in exchange for Santiago uh, Espinal right now. Espinal has been playing okay, but VR is a definitely a major upgrade. Uh, and then when Bull gets back, you maybe look at putting Biggio into the outfield, maybe moving Teoscar Hernandez to DH um, as well, and VR just fills in at at second base for Biggio. So definitely a big move for the Jays there. It's definitely an upgrade offensively and defensively, and also he's a veteran. He's been around the league for a while. Um, Hasn't had too much experience going far in the playoffs. I don't think he's won a World Series. Um, but definitely a, a good veteran guy to have in the, the clubhouse. And he can teach guys like Bo, Vladi, uh, Vigio, Guriel, A lot of stuff that he knows. So I think that's also a very bi- big uh, acquisition for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And hopefully he does well. The Jays also got... Um, I forget his first name, Stripling, uh, from the L.A. Dodgers. And this was actually a very surprising one um, because I didn't think the Jays were going to go after another pitcher after they got uh, Robbie Ray. So um, Stripling, he's going to reunite with um, Hyunjin Ryu in Toronto. It's Ross Stripling. can't believe I forgot the first name. He's a newbie. Still got to get used to him. Um, But yeah, he's been okay. I think this year may not be his best year so far, but, you know, in his MLB career, he's averaging a 3.68 ERA. Um, You know, he can throw a bunch of innings for you. Uh, You can put him in the bullpen as well. He has some experience there. Um, I I don't know if he's going to be in the rotation, you know, heading into playoffs, but you really only need three guys if you look at it Pearson, Ryu, um, Shoemaker potentially, uh, maybe Walker Um, but I think he's also another good piece that the Jays you know added and like I said before they didn't really give up too too much um, in this trade once again um, like maybe the best guy they gave up was Griffin Conine who was a prospect for has been developing for a long time now. I think he's 24 years old. He was in the Robbie Ray trade. So he's going to the Diamondbacks. Um, but, but yeah, other than that, like they didn't really give up too much. And I like what the Jays are doing. You know, they're, they're really pushing for the playoffs this year. They want to make use of the, uh, the minimum contracts that they're giving, minimum salary contracts that they're giving Vladdy and Bo right now. And I honestly think that that's probably a good move. They want to see what these guys are made of at at their young age. They have the potential to do it, and management believes in them. Coaches believe in them. I think the players believe in themselves that they can actually do something. You hear the players talking about it, saying, hey, if we don't even make moves, we have the confidence in here uh, to think that we can actually win a playoff round, potentially. We can actually do something this year. So it's good that they made these moves as well. I think it's going to be a big boost. Especially just because the Jays have so many injuries right now. These guys can come in and, and be uh, placeholders for when the other guys do come back. And when they come back, it's just more depth. So you can never have too much depth on a team. And ultimately, that could be what wins you a championship in, at the end of the day. Because injuries always happen. And you got to be ready for that. So, yeah. Um, I guess just looking at other trades in baseball. Uh, the Miami Marlins were, were buyers this year. Which is surprising, but they got Starling Marte from the um, Diamondbacks, I believe. Diamondbacks. Um, He's having a good year. I think you know Miami's probably not going to be you know a World Series contender, but it's cool to see them finally maybe turning the corner a little bit and and becoming buyers and not always selling every year. Um, Other news: uh, Clevenger, the Indians pitcher, he went to the San Diego Padres. That was probably the trade of the day. Two Canadians going back to the Indians in that deal. Uh, Josh Naylor and uh, Cal Quantrill. So we'll be seeing a lot more of them. Jays fans will be seeing a lot more of them in the uh, American League now. Uh, more matchups with the Cleveland Indians. And the Jays always still have that rivalry, I guess, going on. Heading back to that 2016 uh, series with them. Um, yeah, so that those are big pieces to give up, to be honest, for the Indians. and. Uh, it's Josh Naylor. He made a good impression last year. Uh, Cal Quantrill was very good last year. I'm uh, not too sure how he's doing this year, but he was good last year. And Clevenger has really made a name for himself as you know a, a guy who can pitch at the top of the rotation. He was kind of that you know, odd man out when they had Salazar, Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Kluber. And he was like their fifth guy, but he became their ace this year. And now he's, you know, Indians got a big, big package for him. Uh, to ship him out to San Diego and look at San Diego. Like everybody talks about the Dodgers in that division, but the Padres are right there. You know they're in that wild card spot right now, kind of solidifying that. And if they get into the playoffs, I don't think any other team is really safe if they match up against them. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., Posmer, like their pitching now is is better with Clevenger. So they're gonna be they're gonna be in trouble. Uh, The team that plays. The Padres will be in trouble. Manny Machado looks great this year as well. Like They're an exciting team to watch. And if you go back to my MLB season preview um, episode I did with Tyler Moore, I even said they are my prediction to win the World Series. So just watch out for them. And, um, yeah, let's move on to some NHL action here. Um, Tampa Bay Lightning, like I said at the top of the show, Victor Hedman was the OT hero, double overtime. And the Tampa Bay Lightning will move on to play either the Islanders or the Flyers in round two, which will be a good matchup no matter who, uh, who they play, but Tampa looks really good. And you got to give credit where credit is due, and Tampa really just came to play against the Bruins. And if you can separate, if you can divide the perfection line of the Boston Bruins, you know you're doing something right. That is literally how you beat the Bruins. That is how you tear them up into pieces. That is how you end the Boston Bruins. If you can split up the Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron line, chances are you're doing something right, and you might actually win. You might actually beat them. And Tampa Bay beat Boston in five games, which I don't think anybody thought was possible. I think everybody thought it was going to go to five games. I know Rask left the bubble, so that kind of changes things. Um... But Pasternak looked pretty good. Bergeron looked good. Marchand looked good. Um, Krug, I think you know. I think a lot of people expected more from him from him this series. Chara looks slow now. Like past couple of years, you know he's been hanging in there, but this year especially, like you could really see it. He is. It is coming to an end, I think, for Zdeno Chara. Um, McAvoy got hit hard today. He did return. Is that suspension worthy for Paquette? I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky play. Brian Burke was saying that um, you know, McAvoy could have done something better on that play to avoid the hit. It uh, didn't look too dirty, in my opinion. No penalty called on the play. Um, maybe, maybe there could have been one, but I don't think it's suspension-worthy for Paquette. Um, but anyways, back to the game. Um, Palat. Andre Palat. What a playoff he is having um, in replace of Steven Stamkos, which is not an easy guy to replace at all whatsoever uh but he's done a great job of filling in on that top line with Kucherov and and Braden Point and he gets the goal to open up the scoring for the lightning um and then we got a goal from none other than I think it was David Pasternak I think David Pasternak scored the goal uh to tie the game and that's when it was like okay we got we got a game now we can actually you know this is, this is going to be a tough game. Um, and then the third goal happens, and it's for, it's for Tampa. It's Anthony Cirelli. Uh, it's closer to the end of the game. Lightning has all the momentum, you think. Um, but then Bruce Cassidy literally tried everything with his lines. He was mixing and matching all game long. Uh, like I said, switching up that perfection line, um, and and it worked. It it, it finally worked. He put uh, Craigie with uh, with Pasternak, and I don't know who the other guy was. Maybe it was Kasha. Maybe it was Coolman. Um, but anyways, the third guy is re- irrelevant. Pasternak and Craigie together, and Bergeron and Marshani kept together, um, and Craigie was able to capitalize on an open net there, and he, they won the game. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, crumbled in the last two minutes, and Craigie was left alone in front to tie the game. And Boston also got a power play at the end of the third period as well, which was scary uh, for for the Lightning. Uh, they weren't able to capitalize on that, and we're going to overtime. Um, Lots of chances in the first overtime, but we didn't get any goals scored. So we go to second overtime, and it was a crazy overtime. Like Tampa had a great chance to start the period. I think it was Palat. Um, and then Vasilevsky mishandled the puck behind his own net. Uh, Bruins almost put it in there. That was probably their best chance. They sh- they should have capitalized on that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it was Victor Hedman with a nice toe drag um, from the left circle. And it just goes under the arm of Yaroslav Halak with a nice sc- screen in front. It looked like Tori Krug was even screening Halak on that one a little bit. Um, But yeah, Lightning won. Lightning won it. Uh, Big celebration. John Cooper looked, you know, thrilled. Um, I'm sure he still has a little bit of frustration and uh, motivation from what happened uh, in the previous year against Columbus. Um, That's always in the back of his mind, uh, probably as well as all the other Lightning players as well. Um, That's a big win for the Lightning. You know, I thought they were going to win this series. They're still my favorite uh, prediction to win the cup uh, this year, I think. You know, now people are, are definitely going to be talking about them. But before, it was more focused on Vegas. You know, Philadelphia. People, everybody thought the Flyers were going to... It was going to be the Flyers here. But look what the Islanders are doing to them right now. Um, I think no matter who the, the Lightning play, if it's Philly or New York, and you, I don't want to count New York out. Like, they've been playing fantastic uh, this playoffs. And, like, they, they are definitely a frustrating team to play against. Um, so it's not going to be easy for the lightning to win, but right now the lightning do look unstoppable and they have the experience, um, to, to do it. So they might get Stamkos back as well. Like Vasilevsky looks good. They look solid defensively. They look solid offensively. Uh, special teams are clicking it seems as well. So I think they got it all right now. Um, Vegas might be the team to stop them if they get to the final. Um, but yeah, we'll leave that for another time. Um, let's talk about, Another series going on right now. And an interesting goalie matchup uh, to start the game, at least. It was Ben Bishop making his uh, uh, round two debut against Colorado. I think he had 18 days of rest. And, I mean, it it showed he didn't play well to start. Uh, I think he let in five goals uh, in the first period. Shots were 20-4 to in favor of the Avalanche heading into the second period. So Bishop didn't look good, but the Stars just didn't look good at all. They didn't have their legs. They didn't have any fight to their game. Colorado just looked 10 times better than them. They were playing desperate hockey, obviously, fighting for their playoff lives because it's an elimination game. Um, Kale McCarr keeps getting the points. Um, Gabe Landeskog got, got another point. Kadri got a goal. Uh, Samuel Gerrard got a goal um Belmar JT Comfort, everybody is contributing um in the points column for the Colorado Avalanche that's good to see that they have balanced scoring uh throughout their entire lineup Borowski he has a he's having a big game as well tonight um so that's big big news for the Avalanche if they can you know keep that offense going into you know later on in the series um I don't know now like is Colorado actually going to come back and win this like there's no way that Dallas will go to Ben Bishop for the next game. Like, I think, you know, things were working with Kudobin. It was extremely risky to go to him this game as well. Like, I know you have a 3-1 lead in the series, but you don't want to jeopardize anything. And, and right now, they they may have jeopardized it. So, I think they definitely will go back to Anton Kudobin. It was working. They won three games with him uh, before. So, I think they'll, they'll definitely do that. Three games before this series, and then they also won the series against... Calgary with him in six games so I know Bishop like on paper is clearly the better goalie and he still probably is on the ice but maybe just not at this moment maybe Kudobin just has you know he's obviously been playing a lot more so he's probably the more uh, ready guy to go in to a a game six so they give it to him and and I don't know what's going to happen because Colorado they also have a very intriguing goalie situation as well Grubauer went down um, earlier on in the playoffs. Uh, Franz looks like he's hurt now. Um, so they turned to the ex-Toronto Maple Leaf goalie, Michael Hodgson. Um, so that trade, line mo- trade deadline move uh, that the Avalanche and Leafs made, uh, Callie Rosen going back to Toronto, looks like it's coming in handy now uh, for the Avalanche. So Hodgson uh, didn't really face too many shots in the first four shots only. Uh, literally nothing Uh, and then he let in two goals in the second period like I said game is still going on right now in the third Um, but I don't know if I can trust Michael Hutchison to be honest in the game six and seven potentially like for Hutchison to win three games in a row that's pretty difficult to do Um, I mean I know Colorado has the offense to do it but I don't know I, I, I don't know I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think Dallas will probably take it maybe in game six. Like I know Colorado has the momentum, but Dallas has the experience and, you know, they have the memory of St. Louis beating them last season in overtime. Uh, Bishop played so well. Then Patrick Maroon got the winner. Um, And I think, you know, they just want that revenge from last year. So I think, that's something that they're going to be looking to, you know, redeem themselves for. And I think they're going to close it out. You know, everybody's going to be saying, "Okay, Colorado is definitely going to push this to 7." Now, look at how many goals they scored. Look at how good they were clicking on offense. Um, I think the Dallas experience will really kick in and, you know, it's not going to be what a lot of people think will happen, but I think Dallas will will win game 6. I think they're going to win it. I think they go back to Kudobin. he shuts the door and unfortunately, I think Hutchison might get lit up as well. I think Dallas' offense will come through. Big boys, Sagan, Rajilov, Ben, that line will do good. Um, uh, it's going to be high scoring. You know, the series is definitely not uh, a series like the Islanders and Flyers series is where it's super low scoring. It's going to be high scoring. Lots of offense will be scored. Uh, but ultimately, I think uh, Dallas will outscore the Avalanche. And, uh, or, or maybe I should say, Kudobin will outduel Michael Hutchison. Uh, and lead Dallas to the victory, I think. Uh, Yeah. Let's move on to the next series. Philadelphia against the Islanders. Game 5 coming up on Wednesday night. Um, Let's see what's going to happen in this one. Like I think... I said in the last episode that the Islanders would probably win in 5 or 6. I'm still sticking with that prediction. I don't think Philly will push it to 7 still. I... I think, it, I think it might be over for Philly in Game 5, to be honest. I think the Islanders are just so frustrating to play against. I think it's really gotten under Philly's skin. And I just don't see the Islanders losing this series at all. And I, I just can't picture Philly even winning another game. Like, in my opinion, Philadelphia got really, really lucky in Game 2. They had a lead in that game, 3 nothing. The Islanders came all the way back. They sent it to overtime and then Travis Sanheim got a goal and won it. Like, okay, that, that that's very lucky. Like, congratulations, you blew a 3-0 lead and you somehow sneak away with the victory. Like, that's probably the only way that Philly will ever win against the Islanders. I don't see it. Philly, for some reason, and I know they have like balanced scoring or a balanced lineup on their forward core, but... They just don't have that like, star talent that has come to play, at least in this series so far. Like You, you got to turn to a guy like Claude Giroux, your captain at times like these, Jacob Voracek. Travis Konechny is nowhere to be seen in this series. Um, even guys on defense, Provorov, Sanheim. Um, oh, yeah, it wasn't even Sandheim who got the winner. It was uh, Myers, Philip Myers. Like, that is even more lucky than Sandheim. Um, who got the goal in, in game two? But I just don't think Philly has enough offensive potential to, to beat a defensively minded team in the Islanders. Like Kevin Hayes has been your best player this series, really. And I, think, I still think that the Philly, Philadelphia Flyers need more. Like they have balance throughout their lineup, their entire team is, is pretty well balanced. They play a playoff style game. But at some point, you're gonna need a guy to really step up and and score some goals for you at key times, and I just don't know if the Flyers have that guy right now. So, like even if you look at the Islanders, like Matt Barzell, he's the game breaker for them. He can come through and score a big goal. The Flyers just don't have it. Like teams like like the Dallas Stars, like they have their big boys up front. Rodolov can come through and and be an impact player. Even a guy like Dennis Gurianov on the third line, he's been the icebreaker in key games for Dallas. Philadelphia, they don't have that. Um, Colorado, they got their big boys. They obviously will come through. Um, Vegas, you know, they'll, they'll come through. Vancouver's got their big boys. Um, I just don't see a, a star player on on Philadelphia, and it, and it used to be Giroux. It used to be Giroux and Voracek, but but not anymore. I, I just don't see it. So I think Islanders will take game five and um, it's going to suck because a lot of people thought Philadelphia actually had a good chance at winning the cup this year. And I was starting to believe it as well, but I believed in the Islanders a lot more. And I, I, I still think that the Islanders will win this series. They'll win in game five and they'll play Tampa. And it's, it's going to be tough for Tampa as well. Um, well. Well, we'll talk about the Eastern Conference final in another episode. Um, but it will be an interesting series to see what happens. A powerhouse uh, offensive team in Tampa Bay against a defensively-minded team in, in the Islanders. So, uh, yeah, Let's move on to the final series. Another Game 5 preview coming up on uh, Tuesday night. Vancouver and Vegas. And Vancouver won Game 2 of this series. Vegas battled back. They won the next two thanks to Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty's help. Uh, last night, uh, those guys were on fire in the third period. Vancouver had the lead going into the period, uh, but then Vegas's offense just took over. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury played well too; uh, made a great glove save on on Pedersen. Um, who's going to win Game Five? And this is really tricky because I don't think Vancouver's out of this series yet. I think if they can get a strong performance in net from from uh, Jakob Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom. Um, then they'll be good. And their offense has to show up as well. Like they got to score on the power play. They got to capitalize a lot. That's something they didn't do in game uh, three. They had a big five on three to start the game. They didn't, they, they got empty handed on that one. They had the very goal. Um, so I think if Pedersen, Tofoli, and uh, JT Miller, they have a big game, you know, it's going to be tough for Vegas to stop them. Uh, Bo Horvat, he's got to continue what he's doing. Uh, Brock Besser, I think he's got to step up. He's got to. You know, bury a few um, and, yeah, just step up. And at the end of the day, I think Vancouver really needs to find a way to shut down that Pacioretty-Mark Stone line because they're really the only difference maker in the series right now. Riley Smith hasn't been as good as he was in um, in the previous series. So I think it's really just Stone. And also Shea Theodore, like Shea Theodore's been unreal this series. I think he's one of the most underrated defensemen in the entire NHL. People are saying that he might be, you know, a Norris candidate in a few years. I can definitely see that. Um, so yeah, I think I think Vancouver's gonna win this game. I think they're gonna push it to game six. Um, I still think Vegas will win the series at the end of the day. Uh, just experience, they're the number one seed. Vancouver's still pretty young. Um, looks like they got a great tandem in net there with Leonard and and Fleury. And Markstrom has just been a little bit too inconsistent for me. Um, so I'll say Vegas in six games. I think Vancouver is going to win game five, but it'll be, it'll be very close. Um, it'll be close. I think Vancouver wins it in overtime. I think it's going to be a dramatic way to end the game, but Vancouver will keep their season alive uh, and push it to a game six. So yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, let's, uh, touch on basketball briefly and Toronto Raptors. They got so much momentum sweeping the Brooklyn Nets heading into this, uh, biggest series of the year against the Boston Celtics. And everybody's talking about this matchup saying, Hey, if the Raptors get by this, then, you know, watch out. These guys might be finals bound again. So. You know, there was a lot of talk about the Celtics as well heading into it. They swept uh, Philadelphia 76ers, um, which nobody thought would happen as well. So two pretty evenly matched teams, to be honest, heading in. Um, both Atlantic Division, they've been battling all year. The rivalry is there. Uh, superstar players on both teams. Kyle Lowry was healthy for this one. Um, you know, they got you know T- Tatum, Brown. Both very strong teams. Um, that are really trying to win and the Raptors didn't come to play in game one which is it's it's really mind-boggling because at, at some point in in round one I just thought that the Raptors were unbeatable like there's no way that this team is going to lose and I think it was their 150 point performance and I know it's the Nets and they're not obviously the same level as the Celtics are um, the Raptors are, are far above them but I just thought that the way that this team was playing, like, I I just don't see a team beating them. Like, I don't see a team beating Nick Nurse's team and his strategies and his defensive, offensive game plans that he will play against you. But for some reason, Boston just completely destroyed them in game one. Like, they got off to a big lead in the game and. they just stuck with it and it was it was really embarrassing to be honest for the Raptors they just didn't show up they got to play a lot better if they want to have any any chance of this series or it will be a very short series I think if if the Celtics win the next one like I know everyone's saying like yeah don't panic because we had that two nothing series deficit against the Bucks in in last year's playoffs Eastern Conference final but it's a different year And it's a different team and different format, playoff bubble, everything. Like, you got to remember that it is very difficult to win a championship in this league. And even if you think that, you know, your team's on a roll and there's no team that's going to stop you, you know, you might have a bad game. You might have a bad four games. You might have a bad seven games. And that's it, you know? Um, The Raptors don't want to put themselves in a hole here. So I think, you know, tomorrow's game, 5 p.m. start, is a must-win. I think they have to win this one. I think it's going to be a battle. I don't think the Raptors will, you know, blow out. Well, it wasn't really a too much of a blowout in game one from the Celtics, but it was, you know, a, a substantial victory. Um, I think it's going to be very close. It's going to be a gutsy effort for the Raptors in game two. They're going to have to really fight, um, and I think they're going to, you know, I think they're going to pull away with the win. I don't want to jinx anything, but I just have a feeling still. I think that Nick Nurse you know, will, will make the adjustments. I think Siakam will play better. Uh, I think Van Fleet, Lowry, they'll all be good. Ibaka will hopefully continue what, what he's been doing so far. Um, and uh, it's, it's not going to be easy. Like, it's never easy to win a championship, and it's never easy to, to beat a team like the Boston Celtics. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with, uh, with the Raptors. Um and, and yeah, like looking at some of the other matchups today, Miami they beat the Milwaukee Bucks as well. So you really never know what's going to happen. Like, can the Heat find a way to beat Milwaukee? Um, what's going to happen in the West? Clippers, Lakers, it's going to happen. Like, who's going to come out of there? Um, yeah, I think the OKC Rockets series is going to seven games as well. Um, which I don't think too many people thought would happen as well. So, you know, these playoffs, in, in basketball, you, you sometimes think that if you have a good team on, on paper, like chances are, if you have a better team on paper than the team you're playing against, you're going to win. But for some reason, right now at least, and we even saw it in the first round too, Milwaukee losing the first game, Lakers losing the first game. Uh, didn't happen with the Raptors. Um, but yeah, for some reason, maybe it's just a game one trend um, but uh, hopefully it is just a game one trend, and the Raptors go on and and win this series. Um, but yeah, it has been an interesting NBA playoff so far. So anything can happen, really. Uh, but let's hope for the best, Toronto, uh, for the Raptors, and let's hope they get this dub tomorrow at at five o'clock and uh, tie up the series because they need it. I think it's a must win. Um, yeah, that's that's basically all. Sports stuff I wanted to talk about today. Um, I'm thinking of doing some more NFL stuff. haven't done too much NFL at all on this podcast. I know the season's going to start up soon, September 10th. Um, So, you know, there will be some NFL talk uh, heading into the season. Probably a preview. Uh, Well, maybe a preview, but, like, I'm definitely going to be doing, like, some weekly stuff for the NFL uh, when the season gets going, predictions and so on. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned for that. we are going to wrap this up with um, some very disappointing news um, from a few days ago. And Chad Bozeman who passed away at the age of 43 years old, Uh, the black Panther Wakanda forever. Um, It's very disappointing. Like when I, when I saw that post uh, on his Instagram account, I saw it, like, I just couldn't believe it at first. Like, I remember hearing um, some rumblings, I think, a few months ago as well, or maybe maybe a couple months ago, just uh, a post that he, he posted on his Instagram, um, where he's looking very skinny, and he didn't look healthy. And, you know, people were questioning his health. Um, but some people were also being extremely rude in the comments to him as well. Um, and, we didn't know what, what, what he was going through, if he was going through anything at all, or if it was nothing. Um, and um, it's unfortunate that a couple months later, he passes away um, due to colon cancer. Um, and it's disappointing. Obviously, it's a big loss uh, for the entertainment industry. It's a big loss for, for really everyone around the world. This guy was an influencer um, um, in the black community, especially. Um, a guy who was really, you know, pushing for racial justice around the world. Um, And he was the first black superhero as well. And, you know, I am a big uh, fan of the MCU. And Black Panther was one of, you know, the first movies that really, I would say, got me into the MCU as well, because I wasn't a Marvel fan up until 2018. And uh, when that movie came out and the success that, that, um, that it had influenced me to continue watching them and and watch past movies and and learn more about what's going on here. And I think, you know, how he brought King T'Challa to life, you know, nobody else could do it better than him. And, you know, you hear Michael Jordan posting on his Instagram today of the impact that he had on his life. And they've known each other since they were 16 years old and they did everything together. They worked their way up together and having them star in, in this amazing film um, together is, is basically the highlight of their careers. So, um, Chadwick, he, he played another big role in, in 42, uh, playing Jackie Robinson. I remember watching that movie as well when it came out, didn't know too much about Chadwick Boseman at the time. And I know there's a lot of pressure playing that role as well, but I think at the time I thought that he did a a very good job, um, playing him. I, I thought he even looked like Jackie Robinson a little bit as well uh so i think he he fit the role pretty perfectly um and i was super excited to hear that he got the role um as king t'challa in in, in black panther as well and when i was going to see that movie I, I didn't even know like too much about the movie at the time but when i heard he was the actor i got you know instantly excited um and it definitely delivered that was made pro it, it was the biggest movie of the year and it and it, it still is one of the most um culture Industry-changing, um, defining movies, um, potentially of all time. You know, it did it did numbers and it it made an impact on a lot of people's lives. And uh, it's a universal movie. I was listening to the uh, the tribute that ABC did on him yesterday, and Kevin Feige was talking. A bunch of Marvel actors, and it's just disappointing. Like it it was very hard to watch all these actors that he's. Uh, been with and acted with and has become close with talk about his life and share their memories that they had with him. Um, and uh, it's, it sucks. You know, 2020 has been awful. You know, we lost Kobe Bryant uh, and now we lost Chadwick Boseman and pandemic um, black lives matter movement, the uh, shootings uh, George Floyd, Jacob Blake. Um, you know, I think 2020 is really, made us realize that, you know, life is short. And also, I think it is a wake-up call as well. Like, it might even be the wake-up call that we need. You know, everything, unfortunately, every ha- everything, mm, everything does happen for a reason. But unfortunately, you know, we've, we've gotten the worst this year. It does suck that that we've had to go through all of this. But, you know, hopefully there is you know some light at the end of the tunnel and it does make a world this world a better place in the long run. I ho- I really hope it does and I hope it opens a lot of eyes to people like okay like we we lost a lot of good people this year and hopefully you know their legacies live on and we remember them and we become better people because of it or we are doing a disservice to them. Um, if we don't continue on the messages that they left behind for us. So, you know, we got to do a good job of that and, and keep, you know, improving this world and making it a better place and looking out for one another um, and coming together and uh, and uh, uniting the world, basically. And I think that's what Black Panther did as well. That's what the MCU is doing. Um, and Chadwick Bozeman was a big, big part of it. So, um yeah, Chadwick, thank you very much for everything you gave to this world. Um, thinking of you, prayers up to you uh, and your family. Um, just it's just sad news, just very sad news. And he was one of my favorite superheroes, so it sucks. But um, Wakanda forever, and uh, rest in peace, my king. And we'll leave it off of. Um, we'll end it off with that. So thank you for listening to Unlimited. Episode number 18, Um, going on vacation for a little bit. We're going up to a cottage. Uh, We'll be back next week. Um, Everybody take care. Stay safe. Uh, Watch some sports. Um, Conference finals coming up. NBA playoffs. Um, MLB playoff push. Go Jays. And, um, yeah, we will be back very, very soon. So, thank you very much for watching. And uh, Wakanda forever.